This recording is brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia. Inca Civilization, written by Mark Cartwright and read by Richard de Mon. The Inca Civilization flourished in ancient Peru between circa 1400 and 1533 CE, and their empire eventually extended across western South America from Quito in the north to Santiago in the south making it the largest empire ever seen in the Americas and the largest in the world at that time. Undaunted by the often harsh Andean environment, the Incas conquered people and exploited landscapes in such diverse settings as plains, mountains, deserts and tropical jungle. Famed for their unique art and architecture, they constructed finely built and imposing buildings wherever they conquered, and their spectacular adaptation of natural landscapes with terracing, highways, and mountaintop settlements continues to impress modern visitors at such world-famous sites as Machu Picchu. As with other ancient Americas cultures, the historical origins of the Incas are difficult to disentangle from their founding myths they themselves created. According to legend, in the beginning the creator god Viracocha came out of the Pacific Ocean, and when he arrived at Lake Titicaca, he created the sun and all ethnic groups. These first peoples were buried by the god and only later did they emerge from spring and rocks, the sacred pacarinas, back into the world. The Incas, specifically, were brought into existence at Tijuanaco, from the sun god Inti. Hence they regarded themselves as the chosen few, the children of the sun, and the Inca ruler was Inti's representative and embodiment on earth. In another version of the creation myth, the first Incas came from a sacred cave known as the Tamputoco, or the House of Windows, which was located at Pacariktambo, the Inn of Dawn south of Cusco. The first pair of humans were Manco Capac and his sister, and also wife, Mama Oklu. Three more brother-sister siblings were born, and the group set off together to found their civilization. Defeating the Chanka people with the help of stone warriors, Paruraucas, the first Incas finally settled in the valley of Cusco and Manco Capac, throwing a golden rod into the ground, established what would become the Inca capital of Cusco. More concrete archaeological evidence revealed that the first settlements in the Cusco valley actually date to 4500 BCE, when hunter-gatherer communities occupied the area. However, Cusco only became a significant center somewhere at the beginning of the late intermediate period, 1000 to 1400 CE. A process of regional unification began from the late 14th century CE and from the early 15th century CE with the arrival of the first great Inca leader, Pachacuti Inca Yupanqui, the reverser of the world and the defeat of the Chanca in 1438 CE, the Incas began to expand in search of plunder and production resources, first to the south and then in all directions. They eventually built an empire which stretched across the Andes, conquering such people as the Lupaca, Cola, Chimor and Huanca civilizations along the way. Once established, a nationwide system of tax and administration was instigated, which consolidated the power of Cusco. The rise of the Inca Empire was spectacularly quick. First, all speakers of the Inca language, Quecha, or Runasimi, were given privileged status, and this noble class then dominated all the important roles within the empire. 
Tupa Inca Yupanqui, also known as Topa Inca, Pachacuti's successor from 1471 CE, is credited with having expanded the empire by a massive 4,000 kilometers, 2,500 miles. The Incas themselves called their empire Tawantinsuyo, meaning land of four quarters, or the four parts together. Cusco was considered the navel of the world, and radiating outward highways and sacred sighting lines, checkways, to each quarter. Chinchaisuyo, north, Antisuyo, east, Colasuyo, south, and Kuntisuyo, west. Spreading across ancient Ecuador, Peru, northern Chile, Bolivia, upland Argentina, and southern Colombia, and stretching 5,500 kilometers, 3,400 miles, north to south, 40,000 Incas governed a huge territory with some 10 million subjects speaking over 30 languages. The Incas kept lists of their kings, Sapa Inca, so that we know of such names as Pachacuti Inca Jupanqui, reigned from 1438 to 63 CE, Thupa Inca Jupanqui, reigned from 1471 to 93 CE, and Huayna Capac, the last pre-Hispanic ruler, reigned from 1493 to 1525 CE. It is possible that two kings ruled at the same time and that queens may have had some significant powers, but the Spanish records are not clear on both points. The Sapa Inca was an absolute ruler, and he lived a life of great opulence. Drinking from gold and silver cups, wearing silver shoes, and living in a palace furnished with the finest textiles, he was pampered to the extreme. He was even looked after after his death, as the Inca mummified their rulers. Stored in the Corichanca temple in Cusco, the mummies, Malquis, were in elaborate ceremonies regularly brought outside wearing their finest regalia, given offerings of food and drink, and consulted for their opinion on pressing state affairs. Inca rule was, much like their architecture, based on compartmentalized and interlocking units. At the top was the ruler and ten kindred groups of nobles called Panaqua. Next in line came ten more kindred groups more distantly related to the king, and then a third group of nobles not of Inca blood, but made Incas as a privilege. At the bottom of the state apparatus were locally recruited administrators who oversaw settlements and the smallest Andean population unit, the Ailu, which was a collection of households typically of related families who worked an area of land, lived together and provided mutual support in times of need. Each Ailu was governed by a small number of nobles, or curacas, a role which could include women. Local administrators reported to over 80 regional-level administrators, who in turn reported to a governor responsible for each quarter of the empire. The four governors reported to the supreme Inca ruler in Cusco. To ensure loyalty, the heirs of local rulers were also kept as well-kept prisoners in the Inca capital. The most important political, religious, and military roles within the empire were, then, kept in the hands of the Inca elite, called by the Spanish the orejones, or big ears, because they wore large ear spools to indicate their status. To better ensure the control of this elite over their subjects, garrisons dotted the empire, and entirely new administrative centers were built, notably at Tambo Colorado, Juanuku Pampa, and Hatun Zauxa. For tax purposes, censuses were taken and populations divided into groups based on multiples of 10. 
Inca mathematics was almost identical to the system we now use today. As there was no currency in the Inca world, taxes were paid in kind, usually foodstuffs, precious metals, textiles, exotic feathers, dyes, and spondylus shells, but also in laborers who could be shifted about the empire to be used where they were most needed, known as mit'a service. Agricultural land and herds were divided into three parts. Production for the state religion and the gods, for the Inca ruler, and for the farmer's own use. Local communities were also expected to help build and maintain such imperial projects as the road system, which stretched across the empire. To keep track of all these statistics, the Inca used the quipu, a sophisticated assembly of knots and strings, which was also highly transportable and could record decimals up to 10,000. Although the Incas imposed a religion and administration on conquered people, extracted tribute and even moved loyal population, mitmaks, to better integrate new territories into the empire, the Inca also brought certain benefits, such as food redistribution in times of environmental disaster, better storage facilities for foodstuffs, work via state-sponsored projects, state-sponsored religious feasts, roads, military assistance and luxury goods, especially art objects enjoyed by the local elite. The Inca capital of Cusco, from Cosco, meaning dried up lake bed, or perhaps derived from Cozco, a particular stone marker in the city, was the religious and administrative center of the empire and had a population of up to 150,000 at its peak. Dominated by the sacred gold-covered and emerald-studded Coricancha complex, or Temple of the Sun, its greatest buildings were credited to Pachacuti. Most splendid were the temples built in honor of Inti and Mamakilia. The former was lined with 702 kilogram sheets of beaten gold, the latter with silver. The whole capital was laid out in the form of a puma, although some scholars dispute this and take the description metaphorically, with the imperial metropolis of Pumachupan forming the tail and the temple complex of Sacsayhuaman forming the head. Incorporating vast plazas, parklands, shrines, fountains and canals, the splendor of Inca Cusco now, unfortunately, survives only in the eyewitness accounts of the first Europeans who marveled at its architecture and riches. The Inca had great reverence for two earlier civilizations who had occupied much the same territory, the Wari and the Tiwanuku. As we have seen, the sites of Tijuanaco and Lake Titicaca played an important part in Inca creation myths and so were especially revered. Inca rulers made regular pilgrimages to Tiwanaku and the islands of the lake, where two shrines were built to Inti, the sun god, and the supreme Inca deity, and the moon goddess, Mamakilla. Also in the Coricancha complex at Cusco, these deities were represented by large precious metal artworks, which were attended and worshipped by priests and priestesses led by the second most important person after the king, the high priest of the sun, Huilac Umu. Thus, the religion of the Inca was preoccupied with controlling the natural world and avoiding such disasters as earthquake, flood and drought, which inevitably brought about the natural cycle of change, the turning over of time involving death and the renewal, which the Inca called Pachacuti. Sacred sites were also established, often taking advantage of prominent natural features such as mountaintops, caves and springs. These huacas could be used to take astronomical observations at specific times of the year. 
Religious ceremonies took place according to the astronomical calendar, especially the movements of the sun, the moon, and the Milky Way, Mayu. Processing and ceremonies could also be connected to agriculture, especially the planting and harvesting seasons. Along with Titicaca's Island of the Sun, the most sacred Inca site was Pachacamac, a temple city built in honor of the god with the same name, who created humans, plants, and was responsible for earthquakes. A large statue to the god, considered an oracle, brought pilgrims from across the Andes to worship at Pachacamac. Shamans were another important part of Inca religion and were active in every settlement. Cusco had 475, the most important being the Yacarca, the personal advisor to the ruler. Inca religious rituals also involved ancestor worship as seen through the practice of mummification and making offerings to the gods of food, drink, and precious materials. Sacrifices, both animal and humans, including children, were also made to pacify and honor the gods and ensure the good health of the king. The pouring of libations, either water or chicha beer, were also an important part of Inca religious ceremonies. The Incas imposed their religion on local populations by building their own temples and sacred sites, and they also commandeered sacred relics from conquered people and held them in Cusco. Stored in the Coricancha, they were perhaps considered hostages, which ensured compliance to the Inca view of the world. Master stone masons, the Incas constructed large buildings, walls, and fortifications using finely worked blocks, either regular or polygonal, which fitted together so precisely no mortar was needed. With an emphasis on clean lines, trapezoid shapes, and incorporating natural features into these buildings, they have easily withstood the powerful earthquakes which frequently hit the region. The distinctive sloping trapezoid form and fine masonry of Inca buildings were, besides their obvious aesthetic value, also used as a recognizable symbol of Inca domination throughout the empire. One of the most common Inca buildings was the ubiquitous one-room storage warehouse, or colca. Built in stone and well-ventilated, they were either round and stored maize or square for potatoes and tubers. The Kalanka was a very large hall used for community gatherings. More modest buildings included the Kancha, a group of small single-room and rectangular buildings, Wasi and Masma, with thatched roofs built around a courtyard enclosed by a high wall. The Kancha was the typical architecture feature of Inca towns, with the idea was exported to conquered region. Terracing to maximize land areas for agriculture, especially for maize, was another Inca practice, which they exported wherever they went. These terraces often included canals, as the Incas were experts at diverting water, carrying it across great distances, channeling it underground, and creating spectacular outlets and fountains. Goods were transported across the empire along purpose-built roads using llamas and porters. There were no wheeled vehicles. The Inca road network covered 40,000 kilometers, and as well as allowing for the easy movement of armies, administrators, and trade goods, it was also a very powerful visual symbol of Inca authority over their empire. The roads had rest stations along their way, and there was also a relay system of runners, chasquis, who carried messages up to 240 kilometers in a single day from one settlement to another. Although influenced by the art and techniques of the Chimu civilizations, 
The Incas did create their own distinctive style, which was instantly a recognizable symbol of imperial dominance across the empire. Inca art is best seen in highly polished metalwork, in gold, considered the sweat of the sun, silver, considered the tears of the moon, and copper, ceramics, and textiles, with the last being considered the most prestigious by the Incas themselves. Designs often use geometrical shapes, are technically accomplished and standardized. The checkerboard stands out as a very popular design. One of the reasons for repeated designs was that pottery and textiles were often produced for the state as tax, and so artworks were representative of specific communities and their cultural heritage. Just as today coins and stamps reflect a nation's history, so too Andean artwork offered recognizable motifs which either represented the specific communities making them or the imposed designs of the ruler Inca class ordering them. Works using precious metals such as discs, jewelry, figures, and everyday objects were made exclusively for Inca nobles, and even some textiles were restricted for their use alone. Goods made using the supersoft vincuña wu were similarly restricted, and only the Inca ruler could own vincuña herds. Ceramics were for wider use, and the most common shape was the urpu, a bulbous vessel with a long neck and two small handles low on the pot, which was used for storing maize. It is notable that the pottery decoration, textiles, and architectural sculpture of the Incas did not usually include representation of themselves. Their rituals or such common Andean images as monsters and half-human, half-animal figures. The Inca produced textiles, ceramics, and metal sculpture technically superior to any previous Andean culture, and this despite stiff competition from such masters of metalwork as the expert craftsmen of the Moche civilization. Just as the Inca imposed a political dominance over their conquered subjects, so too, with art, they imposed standard Inca forms and designs, but they did allow local traditions to maintain their preferred colors and proportions. Gifted artists such as those from Chan Chan or the Titicaca area, and women particularly skilled at weaving, were brought to Cusco so that they could produce beautiful things for the Inca rulers. The Inca Empire was founded on and maintained by force, and the ruling Incas were very often unpopular with their subjects, especially in the northern territories, a situation that the Spanish conquistadors, led by Francisco Pizarro, would take full advantage of in the middle decades of the 16th century CE. The Inca Empire, in fact, had still not reached a stage of consolidated maturity when it faced its greatest challenge. Rebellions were rife, and the Incas were engaged in a war in Ecuador, where a second Inca capital had been established at Quito. Even more serious, the Incas were hit by an epidemic of European diseases, such as smallpox, which had spread from Central America even faster than the European invaders themselves, and the wave killed a staggering 65 to 90 percent of the population. Such a disease killed Huayna Capac in 1528 CE, and two of his sons, Huascar and Atahualpa, battled in a damaging civil war for control of the empire just when the European treasure hunters arrived. It was this combination of factors, a perfect storm of rebellion, disease, and invasion, which brought the downfall of the mighty Inca Empire, the largest and richest ever seen in the Americas. The Inca language Quechua lives on today and is still spoken by some 8 million people. There are also a good number of buildings, artifacts, and written accounts which have survived the ravages of conquerors, looters, and time. 
These remains are proportionally few to the vast riches which have been lost, but they remain undisputed witnesses to the wealth, ingenuity, and high cultural achievements of this great but short-lived civilization. This recording was brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia. For more great articles and interactive content, visit www.ancient.eu. Ancient History Encyclopedia is a non-profit organization. If you want to support our work, visit www.ancient.eu forward slash support or follow the links in the description below.